Hello and welcome. My name is Tanai and I help women become confident with themselves and their sexuality and shed the pressure to be the good girl. For the past 10 years, I've worked with all kinds of sex and relationship experts to heal what I thought was commitment phobia, only to find out that there's actually no such thing. This podcast is my opportunity to debunk commitment phobia, so drop all of your preconceived notions and tune in to hear what I've learned along my journey about what it takes for people to create authentic and intimate connections. This is Commitment Phobe. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Today, I'm going to be talking to my friend, Jeff Parker Love. And Jeff is someone who I've learned a lot from about leadership and who he is as a leader. Not only does he just exude love by just being there, you know, he he literally just exudes it by walking and by being in his presence, you can feel the amount of love that he has to pour out to everyone around him. Um, And it's just very clear that that's what he's here to do. He's here to spread love and bring people together in love. And, and the other thing is that, you know, I grew up in Miami and I was in Miami, my early twenties. And my biggest complaint was the lack of community. It was so hard to bring people together so much so that I just kind of gave up and I was like, I'm going to go find community elsewhere. And then I come back and here's this guy, Jeff, who just magnetizes people to him. And it seems so effortless. You know, people, it's just this name that I kept hearing. Like, do you know Jeff? Jeff is having people over. Jeff is doing this. And I'm like, who is this man? (laughs) I must meet him. And it was very obvious why people were so magnetized to to follow his lead and to gather um, at his home and the events that he puts together because he is a very powerful leader. So I'm very excited to have this conversation with him today. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Wow. What an introduction tonight. (laughs) I'm um, so humbled and so honored to hear and feel those words in my heart. And thank you so much for having me on your program. And you're somebody that I deeply admire. And I've I've been watching your work. And, and then our conversations are always super on point. We're on that great tight wavelength. And your perspective reveals so much that truly teaches me. I'm, I'm Truly, uh, I'm happy to call you a sister and very honored to be on your program. Thank you. So I love your story of what brought you to Miami. So would you share it briefly? (laughs) (laughs) I know because it's like a long story. So I'm like, do you have, do you have a short version of it? Sure. I mean, in, in short, I was told by spirit to come to Miami and start community and that was on a trip to Mexico and right after I got activated on the Coba pyramid. And that trip itself was a self-love marrying of myself trip. I, I stayed in a honeymoon suite at the Azalique for one night and the past six months had been uh, about self-love. Spirit had cut me off from any other mission. Besides learn to love yourself and learn how to just be, which was very profound for me. And it was very tough because my masculine side so much wanted to do and wanted a a mission and a purpose and wanted to know where I was going, where I was going to be. 
because I was in sort of a timeout by the universe in West Palm Beach. And I had, I had known about Miami a little bit. Miami started trickling up on my radar as I would come down to Miami to go to vegan restaurants and a few events. And it was a Giselle World event on the winter solstice that impacted me tremendously and showed me that there's so many people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s doing deep work and interacting as a community and have so much self-love and, and so much wisdom they're sharing with the world and started putting Miami on the, the radar when I was living in close proximity. And and I kept thinking in my mind I would be moving to California or Oregon, the West Coast. And that's what I, I really wanted. But I put my ego aside and listened to the universe. And at the culmination of this stage of the self-love journey, I was told to move to Miami and build community. And I kind of laughed off the community part, honestly. I listened to the Miami part and then, and then the community things started happening very organically. And, and I felt like it was the right place, the right time. Your, your words offer a perspective on that because I was so inspired by the community that was here by the leaders and the people that were here. I gravitated to them as much as they gravitated to me. And, and maybe to some level, I provided a, a certain glue that brought people together in a unique way that they hadn't been um, gathering prior to me being there. And I'm so honored by it because everybody here truly inspires me so much. <laughs> That's beautiful. It definitely, that, that definitely resonates that you were this glue that brought different worlds together that were sort of doing similar work, but hadn't met each other yet. Who were you before that self-love journey? Hmm. I was somebody on path. I was a seeker. I was a seeker. I was searching for my enlightenment, searching for my, um, my purpose. I, I had actually believed my purpose was building community, building something of a sustainable, um, community that would be an example community on how to live more harmony with Mother Earth and people around it, kind of the hippie utopia. That's really what I was um, searching and seeking to build. And it was a humbling experience when I had a major failure, a very important failure on that journey that caused me to regroup, rethink. And, and I'm so glad because of that, it has brought a lot in me. It's taught me to become a lot more comfortable with the way things are in our modern society and to be motivated to live amongst people here and make change here rather than building a utopia um, world separate from that. So that was a really big shift for me and it was hard on my ego for a while. Um, hence the, the self-love journey task. And, and that brought me to be fully comfortable with the present moment, wherever that is. Wow. That's really powerful. I, I can resonate with that because, you know, you showed me the documentary Seaspiracy. And for those of you who haven't seen it, it, it talks about, you know, the dangers of, you know, what we're doing to the ocean right now and to um, the animals in the ocean and the plants in the ocean. 
And that sent me in a spiral of thinking of all the things that are wrong in the world and trying to fix it. And it's, it's like you're saying, we kind of become the role of a savior and then, and then it becomes just like a focusing on the negative, right? And there is no acceptance of everything in this moment. So that's a, I admire you for saying that. That's a, you know, very hard practice. I feel like takes a lot of dedication, you know, and always coming back to that, always coming back to making sure that you are taking in the yin and the yang and the dark and the light all at once. Yeah, completely. It, and I've been down that rabbit hole before of I'm going to fix everything in my life. I'm trying to become consciously aware of everything. Okay, so I'm working on getting plastic completely out of my life, getting all animal products out of my life, not out of my diet only. And there is a certain point where pushing myself so hard on that, I realized that the amount of energy it, it takes to become pure on all of those issues is, is very tough. It's, it's quite an extraordinary amount of energy. And it was so hard for me to relax on some of those. I mean, when I have the choice, I always bring my own bags to the grocery store, for instance, but you will still, I'll still buy sustainable products on Amazon and they come shipped wrapped in plastic. Right. There's a certain point where I've had to be willing to compromise uh, to a degree. Um, and then put my energy into supporting the endeavors that come my way and I always keep my antenna open for it that can make those uh, adjustments on a bigger scale but while knowing my main purpose is to bring my mission of love and healing into the world mm. yeah that's that's beautiful I and I um I'm I'm li- like I'm learning in this moment right now from your words, because yeah, you're right. It is like falling into a rabbit hole and suddenly the world seems different. You know, the world is, oh my gosh, the world's going to end. Here's everything that's going wrong as opposed to focusing on sharing that, that love and light that, you know, that we can all tap into. Yeah. I think it's important to still have an awareness. Um, maybe what's wrong with the world is the wrong way to say it. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Getting judgmental and it is how it is now, but, um, I mean, gosh, when I first would drive into Miami and I'd see all these super tall skyscrapers, I'd see all these little bitty islands, super tall buildings. And I'm thinking, just like when going to New York City, about the amount of resources it takes from the outside world and the energy to ship just so people can live in these big, like, prison buildings so close to each other. And, and I, 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 there's this part of me that, that's like, gosh, what, what a complete misallocation of resources and how we're, we're treating the planet to get there. You know, it's like witnessing the matrix. And, and I, I'd say the shift isn't that I've just surrendered into it, like fully, like, oh, yes, let's just build more and more and more. <laughs> it's, it's not that so much as it is. <laughs> understanding that, that putting my energy into that just brings me down. And so um, I can do the things in, in my home to uh, to take care of my body, my vessel, my sacred world, and then sort of build the kingdom of heaven on earth as I see it, like water my garden, which may not always be physical. Maybe it's how I interact with people in the world. Maybe it's the products I buy. Maybe it's the energy I bring to events in other places and support these things and and it's really about what are all these little micro steps we can make to enact change and be less focused on the the outcome of how things must look or need to look at the end of the day and just on those micro steps of what we can do in our now 
to make the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. I know one of the things that you are dedicating to create right now is better relationships between the opposite sex. And you have the the Sacred Union event that I attended last time. And that was so powerful for me. And I will be sharing my experience here. Um, and I love the way that you described it in one of your posts. Um, that in these events, you create a sacred container for brave souls who are ready to do the deep work of transformation to heal their wounds and interact better with the opposite sex forever. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, that's so powerful. Can you tell us a little bit about what that looks like and what inspired you to start doing this work for others. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess it started with the twin flame relationship. We'll go there. We'll go there. This is the. <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm like, what was that? Oh yeah. I remember you talking about this. The yep. twin flame <laughs> relationship, which not everybody's had. And, and if you haven't had it, you probably don't want it. Um, <laughs> I've heard about yours. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's less. This is the movie, fairy tale, romantic love story of your life. And it's more like this is a strong catalyst for your shadow work and for your, your growth and for you to learn how to, um, give yourself all the love that you seek in others. And it was very powerful for me on all those fronts. And it certainly presented itself like the fairy tale romance. And so I, it, had to, it had to crush a lot of parts of me that um, that I didn't want to look at. But I in, in my twin flame relationship ended up kind of being that um, the empath versus the narcissist situation. And a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, if they've had one of those relationships, probably do fit in that category of the empath without boundaries just trying to give so much love assumes other people feel the same way they do and just constantly gets crushed by toxic and manipulative people. So that relationship, I mean, she certainly suppressed so much of my expression of wanting to be loved and have the platonic friendships that I did getting accused that those relationships had ulterior motives and things like that. And so this really helped shape um, whenever I was, freed of the relationship and did further healing work and uh it really shaped me with uh and my insights on having the relationships were popping into my life in this more healed perspective and enjoying so many people's company that wasn't tinged with uh my motive of, of wanting to have sex with them and being able to see people as a, a soul mm. have younger sister soulmate types come to me and receive healing and mentorship and advice. And so that would, I mean, build upon that and allow me to really see the human within, within them. And I guess that grew into Miami. Yeah. Let's wait. Yeah. Let's slow down. Let's slow down and, and just dig a little deeper into that. How, how did that come about that shift? between seeing someone as just someone you want to have sex with and just seeing them as a person and how you can um, learn from that soul relationship. Hmm. I'm not fully sure. I mean, I guess there was some part of me that always had it already seeing a lot of seeing most women as friends. And then there's smaller group of women that are potential mate in my mind. 
potential relationship or something like that. So if I'm in a relationship, they're all friends except for the one I'm in a relationship. Just always had that. And so then the ones that are potential, I mean, then it's, they, they either, I mean, they're treated as friends because that's the respect that I have for them or, but there's, there's more of that flirting edge to determine where that's going to shake out. And so that's sort of how I've always operated. And I've, I've noticed, I guess, that not every other male operates that way. And, and that they're mostly mm-hmm. operating from, um, other patterns, some of which that I've had too about insecurity or how to prove yourself to other men or what men are supposed to do or, or not learning how to handle your, um, your, the chi energy that comes from your lower chakras. Yeah. What would you say? What would you say met is like the top things that men are trying to prove? Um, they are trying to prove their value through being received by women, their sexual value, their, their power as a man on this planet, their, their worth. So much of it is, um, upheld by the, by a man operating in these frequencies, um, based on how they're received by the opposite sex. So sometimes that involves quality, perceived quality about a woman that likes them or dates them. And then other times it's quantity. Mm. It's very interesting. You know, the guests that I had before you are the producers of a documentary about the pickup industry and the dangers of the pickup industry. And, and it really speaks to what you're talking about. Men are looking for that, are looking for that, for being, you know, are looking to be received by, by women. And if they're not, then they are very vulnerable to learn from these pickup artists that teach them how to manipulate women. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's a, a lot of men, even conscious men at some point nowadays, they will hear some of that pickup artist literature. It catches men at some point of their journey um, because it touches on something so weak or really something so ingrained, I think, in our DNA. It all goes back to feudalism. It goes back to Genghis Khan. It goes back to the toxic masculine scourge that has damaged this planet for the last few thousand years, really, that we are all here to collectively pick up the pieces from and install new programs, new behaviors and ways of interacting to restore a balance of masculine and feminine leadership and harmony all along everywhere in society. And that's really the motivation for the playground of sacred union that I'm co-creating with people is, is let's play within that and let's create a safe space to explore all those old wounds and have this honest dialogue where we can kind of almost laugh about it later, but we can talk about those and we can release them from the body. And then what, what do we do without that? Well, we install new ways of interacting. We install new programs. And so it's training ground and practices with a lot of the masculine feminine dynamic as well of learning how to harmonize those energies within you, take accountability and how to hold space for the opposite sex. Mm, Yeah. That I'm very curious about. What does it mean to hold space for the opposite sex? What are the different needs that each one has? Yeah, brilliant question. 
Well, um, we had this great exercise near the beginning of Sacred Union that I think really demonstrates what this is. Do you remember the one where we had men and women line up with one partner in front of them? And there was no prompt. So men are just standing however their default is. And everybody's maybe a little bit nervous. Well, what are they asking me to do? Who is this person in front of me? Whatever programs run in people's mind about what they're supposed to do in insecurities. And then the, the question was for ladies to tell the man in front of them how safe they feel in his presence or, or if they trust him, how, how much they trust this man in front of them. And do you remember this activity? Absolutely. I mean, that's the one that was most impactful to me. It was actually towards the end. Okay. So what's funny is that the exercises we had done up until then were a lot of like mental work, like share, you know, share, share with that person what's coming up. And this was to me the most energetic exercise. So that's why it had the most impact on me. So yeah, I'll let you continue explaining what the exercise well, I, was. Well, I want to ask you first, what, yeah. what did you see in the person standing apart away from you and what number did you give him? Perfect. So. Okay, so the man in front of me seemed a little tense. Um, he was very serious. His expression was serious. Um, it seemed like he was like forcing, trying to hold space. You know, he had like his hands out and I could tell this man's like trying to hold space for me. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I felt, I felt like, okay, he looks safe, but something in me still doesn't feel like 100% safe. So I ended up giving him a seven. Okay. And then how did he take that? <laughs> and then he laughed. And when he, it, you know, he was in this theory. So already by laughing, I already felt all safer. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. huh. Okay. So he laughed. I saw this really big smile on his face. <laughs> so, and so then, really then laugh. we, then we had, um, the female advise the male on how he could make adjustments and allow them to feel more safe. Right. right? I loved right? that question. Yeah. That was awesome. Do you so remember what I, you told him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I told him that I would, I, I would like him to try putting his hands, his arms like looser by his sides and, and that he just seems like a little rigid. So he did, he relaxed his arms. Um, he was smiling and then without even me saying anything and, and, you know, without either of us realizing he leaned back slightly and something just cracked open in me and I started to cry like bawling and like laughing bawling. You know, when it's like the first time that I, that I tried mushrooms. That was my same experience. I, the, the whole, like the whole day, all I did was laughing and crying because it was just so much relief. I felt. I felt so open and safe in this man's presence in that moment. And I realized it's because I energetically felt him in my space. Like he was, you know, like I, I yeah, like I, I, I didn't have that openness because he was literally energetically in my space. Beautiful. So awesome. Right. Like, so what I'm hearing from what you're telling me is that him being responsive and sensitive to your emotional needs gave you which when he made his adjustments when he laughed 
that allowed you to feel safe, so safe that you cried. Yeah. <laughs> and and part of what safety means between the man, masculine holding space for the feminine is that the feminine feels safe to feel completely in front of him, to cry, to um, to express herself fully about what's hurting her, how she feels in general. And so, yeah, that's what, when the masculine holds space, he doesn't take on the responsibility of fixing the problem or fixing the problem in terms of how men think like she's crying. Let me immediately get her to stop crying. Yeah. But so that, <laughs> so that he can, he can hold space while she has a moment with her feelings of sharing them with him fully where he can just witness and be the observer of her having whatever level of, of moment expression she wants in that moment. Yeah. That was really, really impactful for me. And then on the other side, so I, I finished that, you know, I gave him a hug. I was like, thank you so much. I feel like something really opened up here. And then you asked us to move to the next man, you know, because they were standing in a line. And the next prompt was something along the lines of just eye gaze, <laughs> like nothing else. And, you know, every time I've done eye gazing or every time I'm in front of people that I don't know, my intention is always to be calm and present. And I've always interpreted that to mean show a calm face, like be, be soft, you know, maybe a, a slight smile, but just look relaxed. And this time I asked myself, what if I let this man in front of me see the pain that I've felt with past male relationships? And so I actually didn't smile. I don't know what my facial expression was, but I was not smiling and I was still crying. And for the whole two minutes or whatever it was, I kept crying and the man ended up thanking me. He was like, wow, thank you so much for letting me see that I felt so safe. In watching you cry. I'm so curious to hear what you have to say about that because to me it was very shocking. I did not expect a man to thank me for letting me see my for letting him see my tears. Wow. Well, I think that what happened there is that this man he it tapped into something deep within him. And activated his sense of, of of purpose to um acknowledge the feminine and her full range of expression and he felt empowered that you trusted him to share that with him so that allowed him to feel the sense of being a protector and that allowed him to feel good. It reminded him of his own inner protector and the power in doing that felt empowering to him to do that. Yeah. That was the reaction from the three men afterwards. <laughs> they were all taken back. So is being a protector something that's just innately important for the masculine? It is. And first things first, we, we should talk about to your audience, something that, you and I are both aware of is that everybody has masculine and feminine energy. Yeah. And the more you grow in this work, you learn how to 
have a healthy relationship with your inner masculine and your inner feminine. So for women who want to be in the presence of men who will hold wonderful space for them, who can protect them in their feelings and, and, and all of that, they've got to cultivate within them uh, an ability to do that for themselves too. Just like for men to really hold space for the feminine in this new modern paradigm of, of harmonizing the balance of these energies, they've also got to develop a relationship with their own inner feminine and provide a safe container for themselves to cry um, or to feel, to express themselves. And then when you do this, then it's easier to play into these roles in a healthy way in relationship with another whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or a coaching situation or anything like that. And these exercises are practice in those roles that allows people to feel more empowered in them so that they can take on that work further themselves. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess if, if I'm not afraid of my emotions or if I have space for my emotions and I don't jump to fix them, and I'm not going to do that with a person in front of me. I'm going to be able to hold space for their emotions and for their, like, just full expression. Yeah, and I think it's important that these men didn't know you. So when you were crying, there was not a program running in them, like, did I do something wrong? Is she blaming me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Something like that, right? So it allowed them to be able to just, witness and see that that sometimes that's what you want that's what you want the most at least at first yeah how in your experience how have you coached men when they're in that space of oh what did i do to, what did i do wrong what did i do now yeah to listen to listen to ask the right questions um to have more curiosity instead of making assumptions and letting the ego be attacked and triggered. It's going to happen that the ego gets attacked and triggered naturally in moving uh, along the path on this work. I used to be triggered similarly in my relationship with the twin flame. And I learned throughout that relationship to get less and less triggered and become more of the observer. And that is, that's exactly what men can and should do. And so the more that they can take a mindset of curiosity and, and listen from the feminine and ask questions like, how can I, how, what would, what could I do to support you more right now? Um, is very helpful. And, um, is there something that I could do to make you feel this way? Because the feminine has a powerful oracle that is so deeply connected to the divine and the the job in the masculine feminine dynamic when it's played out in polarity between men and women tends to involve this feature and for a lot of our history men have looked at this feature as a bug and and women have suppressed it or it's it's resulted in a toxic variant of this which we call like nagging and things like that being disapproved uh, uh being being angry but the feminine has a deep, powerful oracle, and if utilized in polarity properly, then by men who are not afraid to listen to that and not be attacked and triggered or have it attack their sense of worth or their personality, 
then they can learn a lot from it. And likewise, for the feminine, holding space for the masculine, which we haven't talked about as much, but the more that she can express that oracle in terms of her feelings and the feelings that are occurring in her body based on what the masculine is doing or saying or the energy of his voice, then the better received it will be by the masculine. And the better space she's consequently holding for him because she's owning the feeling and providing feedback rather than attacking his person or his character, his mission or his purpose. Those are things that are much... Right, there's personal responsibility and there's no judgment there. Yeah, so I mean, bottom line is, is being able to receive each other without judgment is number one all around. Like there's some things that are involved with both um, for feeling safe. And sometimes a feminine will hold space to the masculine the way that if a man is, is in a moment of, I don't know, he's lost his job or some something else. Yeah. Sometimes he does need to be in his feminine to feel and it's okay for a woman in partnership within polarity to take on the role of masculine holding space, listening to him without judgment. Yeah, I think a lot of what uh, women are working through right now is being able to hold that space without emasculating a man, without seeing him, you know, in a lesser way. Like, oh no, he's he's not being masculine right now. He's he's just depressed all day or, you know, having a moment of of not being in his um, you know, in his leadership or in his presence. Yeah, I think and this is something great for us to talk about because in that moment when you're feeling that it's not attractive to the man, right? To your dynamic. Yeah. And I think we've just got to acknowledge that it's not. And so men can feel very threatened by that because the behavior of the feminine is broadcasting that to him. But feminine will feel attraction to him again when he's fixed it, when he's worked on it, when his energy's in a different space. Yeah, so, when he's back in alignment. <laughs> when he's back in alignment. That's a great way to look at it. And for the feminine, if she can express herself in terms of, I love your mission. I love what it is. And I'm feeling unsafe because you're not acting in alignment with your mission right now then that's less attacking and provoking. And that's more of that assistive oracle energy that helps guide him into his highest self and his most aligned action. Yeah. That, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned something about creating um, committed co-creative partnerships. And that's, that's what it reminds me of. Like when you, when you're saying that it's being able to own your experience and, ex- and express it in the way, like you said, like I'm feeling, I'm not feeling safe right now. So it's not that you're doing anything right now is that this is what's coming up for me. Right. Right. And in this realm, we're talking about what you, you just mentioned, co-creating committed conscious partnerships. Yeah. Is, is that you, We've most relationships are formed on some level of unconscious agreements and conscious agreements. And we're really talking about our parents' generation and a lot of our earlier relationships. And a lot of these relationships, as we observe, they 
um, they have these unconscious agreements, which is sort of like, okay, you, you make man make money, woman makes house and raises children. My parents had that agreement, for instance, that, that one's been around for a long time. But then there's some other agreements that tend to slip in, like you can get, uh, you can get fat and lazy and watch TV as long as I can get fat and lazy and go have this extracurricular activity that I do with that. Oh. <laughs> and as okay, you can have that, I'll have that. And and so in the world we're we're in, relationships are formed on those old agreements aren't pushing and propelling us forward to our highest mission, our highest service, and our highest purpose, our highest expression of all our energies. So for people who are doing this work, the relationship looks a lot better if you have at least one of the agreements is to witness each other on their unique path and their unique growth to serve their mission, their purpose and go into their highest self. And for you to be an observer and a supporter of them on that path. And then after that, you make conscious agreements all along the way. Try to bring the unconscious conscious. So those usually look like I'm triggered because I expected you to act this way and you didn't. So instead of blaming you or getting upset about it, you reframe and you talk about it. And um, when you own and have responsibility for your own right. actions, your own mission, your own purpose. Uh, but there is some definitely some areas too to be in tune with the emotional wants and needs of your partner. Mm. I love I love that because something that stood out to me about what you just said is I'm upset because I expected you to do this. And I think it's so easy to also fall into the place of, oh man, I'm supposed to have no expectations because expectations are ego and I should have, you know, I shouldn't expect. And, and that can be a really extreme too. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about what you said is that it's just like acknowledging that we're human, acknowledging that we have expectations, just letting the other person know, Hey, this is how I'm feeling because I had this expectation. Exactly. And, and beautifully said, I'm glad you brought up what you just did because some spiritual relationships will have that element of you have to own all of your triggers and I'm doing that, you know, and, and there, then this develops a little like type of spiritual gaslighting almost, which yes. is, which is like, I'll never take responsibility for how you feel, even though sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it's like you, you actually start to become so independent here. You don't have a relationship. And I think it is, um, it is, quite wonderful to own your stuff but then have these conversations about your triggers and what's happening and 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 as long as these compromises are being done consciously then they're um then they're actually gonna gonna cause create more depth of connection um because we all really i mean we truly love to do things that make other people happy and so if you do that from a state of abundance and not sacrifice then we all love that that's a wonderful expression of the divine i mean and god is giving to us all the time so um that's beautiful like if you were to say to your partner like uh could you come over here and and cuddle me right now i could really use a cuddle you know right. and if the part yeah. says no that's a weak emotional need you need to cuddle yourself or something <laughs> <laughs> then, yeah. uh, don't be with that person exactly. of course it's okay to go be cuddled a little bit in, in, in whatever moment or time so 
I think that's part of supporting each other and understanding each other's needs. Yeah, we we've just like I think the the talk of codependency has become so big that at least in my circles of women that are doing this work, everyone has become a little too scared of becoming codependent. And so yeah, there's this obsession of, oh, let me be careful with how much I'm expecting from this other person. And I can't tell them that what they did made me feel this way because I'm responsible for my own feelings. And yeah, it becomes this thing. And and I love what you said um prior to to this podcast is that we can't do all the work ourselves. We have to do the work in relationship as well. So, you know, we're relational beings and we need each other. And that's, that's absolutely true. And our, and our relationship cannot be viewed as the reward, the cake, the cherry on top, because you've done all the work and now, uh, check mark, found my mate. It's, it's over. It's done. A whole new set of work constantly begins and comes into your life throughout that. And really the great, the best relationships are going to propel you forward on your own work as well. And what you said about the co the being so scared of codependency. Yeah. That's uh, definitely something ripe within the community. And I think it's worth, I do, I, my question for you would be, do you feel like this is more coming from women or men or is it equal? Well, interesting. Um, I would say it's coming from women. That's, that's what I'm hearing from women. Um, what I'm hearing from men is a little bit um, of defensiveness of like, hey, that wasn't my fault. You're responsible for your emotions. <laughs> or like, I told you not to expect anything from me, so you shouldn't feel hurt right now. And I, and I see it as just like a defense mechanism of I don't want to be the bad guy here. So I'm just reminding you that what what that it's not what I did that hurt you. You're you created that yourself. Yeah. So there's a little bit of, of those two things going on. Yeah. So for the men saying that, are they, are they in real relationships or is that in the dating game? And are they possibly in the dating multiple people game when that's happening? It's, that's a good question. I've heard it from different partnerships, friendships, committed relationships, dating. Okay. But yeah, but I think I, I just, what I love about the experiences that you're creating is that all of that becomes just a conversation of approval of let's just share what's coming up without needing to go anywhere. Just this open space of, of feeling each other. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The more communication we have about these topics and about our feelings and about our patterns and our programs, the more clarity that we're going to get individually and we're going to get as a collective. So some of these patterns are going to be subconsciously copied amongst other people until they're stopped, until they get negative feedback, until a new, better pattern is learned and operated on. So Sacred Union is one of these playgrounds for that. And I love hearing these things and getting feedback from it. One of the things that I would say about the women in that example you brought up about being scared of codependency and that kind of thing is that the you know what i would tell them is to be comfortable with being a receiver as the feminine and to allow the masculine to give through consciousness in the old paradigm it was sort of give money 
um, mm. give home, you know, give things like that. But in the new paradigm, it is still giving. It's giving from consciousness. The masculine is much more healthy if he's giving with love. And so that may occasionally take the form of, of buying your dinner or giving you a gift or something like that. But he should be, he, he, he feels best and most self-expressed when he is giving. And then when the feminine smiles and, and is happy, <laughs> that still <laughs> works. That still feels good. Yeah. It's really important that you mentioned that because a lot of what people are talking about right now is, is how confusing the, like the dynamic is because of the way that we're evolving and the way that we don't need each other, like in that old paradigm anymore. So I think it's really important that you're mentioning it that way, that it's still, that dynamic is still the same. It just looks different. Well, I mean, the big piece that's supposed to look different and maybe doesn't always or makes the feminine not be able to trust it, which goes all back to the very beginning of our conversation is when that giving is given with conditions. Wow. With that are oftentimes subconscious, they may not be fully expressed. And so that's what they can be very scared about, I think, because yeah, it is, that's the trick is, is how to, how to be in that dynamic where the giving is being done purely out of love and no expectations. And then simultaneously, men receive tremendously from a woman's radiance, from her care, from her oracle. And when she's empowered and when she is, is feeling the divine flowing through her, when she is in flow, then men receive just by being in the presence of that. And definitely in, in any form of relationship, they receive. And that will come in all kinds of ways that are wonderful to, to the masculine. And, and I'm a testament to that. I, I receive these gifts from the feminine from so many friends of mine and it's not sex it's not sexual yeah that's beautiful so what i'm hearing is the woman has this you know the man creates that safe container for the woman to show up express her radiance she's receiving from the man and then the man is receiving from this woman's radiance and shine and open heart Yes, yes. She's That's like the, the flow. Completely. He, man builds the building and the woman builds the movement. She dances within it. Yeah. And so for women on the receiving end, I think that they are cautious in this new paradigm. Are there strings attached to this, to this giving? On the one hand, for some women. And then let's also talk about there are women that are on the other hand in spiritual journey that have a different sort of distortion going on, which is they expect to take, 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 take. Yes. It's like, it's like dark feminine. It's, it's abundance. It's they expect to be given all the time by everyone, by every, every man, and then never give back their radiance. They just sort of, they might even be the opposite. Instead of giving back radiance, they use seduction to get it. And so, and that pattern is definitely present as well. Um, so the more awareness we can bring to those tendencies within us, mm -hmm. um, because I've been guilty of that before giving with expectation that I didn't stay, I have healed that. And, and so, and just likewise for most women that I know and talk to that they have expressed other traits, um, 
prior that they have healed. So having these conversations and learning from other people who embody um, higher forms and ideals and this dynamic, um, it, I think that, that that actually leads more people to expressing themselves in those ways. We just can't see past our own patterns, and that's the tough part. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why uh, these conversations are so important to bring light to those patterns that you may not even be aware of. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so you, you told me that the next project that you're cooking up is working with women because you've heard complaints from conscious women that there aren't enough conscious men. And so what you're cooking up right now is creating um, a project where you help these women. Absolutely. Is that right? Did I get that right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, awesome. tell, tell us about that. Well, this is in the Jeff Parker Love Lab at the moment being cooked up. Okay. So to be presented... Uh-huh. To the, to the world soon and, and after more conversations like these too, to refine the details of the program with feedback from, from the feminine. But it is definitely something that I've observed that, that there are, that the conscious women are, our queens are complaining that there's not enough kings. So one thing I've done with that is created a men's circle to gather these men. I think there are more of them out there than, than women in the spiritual community think because the men aren't showing up 100% the same way that they are. So there will be men showing up to the yoga studios, but there are more women that show up to the yoga studios. But but there are kings out there who are so busy and empowered on the mission, they're not always showing up in the same recreational spaces feminine does because that, that recreation is more enticing to the but even with that being said, I think that the the numbers that we all feel and women feel innately that there are more women doing the work than men at this point, a little bit more consciously evolved. I do think that that is true. And at least at this point in time. And so there is a huge group of men that are rising up or in the process or in the next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years that are going to answer that call, that are going to have their awakening, that are going to be motivated to start doing the work. Right now, we do have more women. So there is more competition, in a sense, for the conscious men, on the one hand. Yeah. You know, I I think what I'm starting to see as as my own personal like mission, and and maybe other women too, is, is holding space for those men. Because I do see so many men exploring their feminine for the first time and what that looks like is very shaky <laughs> you know but right, i've right. but i've i've sort of like stepped back and, and thought oh wow i kind of have to like hold space for these men too and and empower them to continue doing what they're doing because this feels completely new to them they're not used to feeling safe expressing their emotions or feeling safe expressing themselves artistically or leaving their jobs that, you know, that were impressive to the old paradigm. Um, would you, would you agree with that? That men sort of are, do, are <laughs> in these muddy, muddy waters right now? Yeah, completely. And thank you for your work. I mean, it, it's for sure. So many women have actually wanted to or have held men's circles for men. I was hearing about that a lot before I started my men's circle. And I was like, okay, okay. This is really important. And we provide that in the men's circle as well as other things. But 
I love what you're doing, giving that encouragement and all that space to say, I'm holding this space because the world's going to be better when this man learns how to resolve this and gets a hold of how to feel his feelings and, and get stronger from it. Whenever I, I do feel like the journey for men is in this day and age have been infected with the toxic masculinity and the old paradigm is to start by getting in touch with their feminine and, and build that up and then build a healthy relationship with their masculine. That tends to be what the journey looks like for most men out there. So wow, thank you for that. Shout out. Yeah. Shout out to all the men hearing this because there's also just a lot of men from what I've seen that, that keep trying to do the math, like keep trying to work on the masculine when the feminine's like, you know, like all over the place. So I, 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 that resonates with me of what you're saying to first, you know, turn inward and work on that feminine. And, um, and once that, that feels solid, uh, continue on that masculine path and healing the masculine. So I feel like I've gotten a little sidetracked. I should probably learn how to talk about my program before I start uh, selling it. No, no, that's actually the last thing that I just wanted to ask um, as we close up, give us a little sneak peek for the conscious women out there who are complaining that they're, they they don't have Kings. What's uh, something, what's a little golden nugget that you can leave them with wanting for more. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's the inner work and it's the perspective because there's absolutely a man and a maid out there for you. And it's hard to see that past your own traumas and your own patterns. And I've listened deeply to the women in my life, my clients, my friends, and through these containers that I've built and participated in and helped guide a lot of women through the resolving what went wrong in prior relationships and what about them was resisting change. So the program is first going to look at all of that stuff because there's still a lot there to fix and heal. And then there's going to be a part where it's all about dropping in new codes through energy healing and more about what they should expect, what they should expect from a man, what, what they should expect internally from within themselves and making all these interchanges. So there's going to be a lot of journaling and stuff throughout the process too. And, different prompts, a lot of um, guidance to bring self-awareness on things. We're going to really start by, I'm going to listen to the women in the program about what has gone on in their patterns before in their recent relationships. It's mostly we fix the old stuff, we install the new stuff, and then we, we start getting organized about what we really want and need in a relationship before we start working on the manifesting of calling that in how to do that. So then there's also one last component, which is what do you do in the dating process? Well, when you've gotten really clear, and here's where the nugget will lie. When you've gotten really clear about what it is that you want and what standards you have for yourself, then talk about it in your first date. Find out if this is a match or not. And then if it's not a match to what you are looking for, respectfully decline to keep going on dates. And I think that this, this one nugget can be so profound because what I notice happens a lot of times is that women will build up stories or they like some other part of him, some other aspects, and they forget that they 
actually created criteria and they've said, never will I date somebody that has this feature again or something like that. Or that I really want a man that does this or acts this way or is this. And then they throw that all away. And the more you go on a date with somebody, your, your defenses will start to come down and the feelings of attachment will start to get there. So if you can keep the space clear and open, and a lot of this comes from that inner work of knowing you're complete, knowing you're worthy, and that's part of what goes into the program too, so that you should be in this space of you're so abundant that all these really good candidates are magnetizing around you, and you're able to say no to them because you're waiting on the great candidate. You're you're waiting on that one to rise up. Instead of just saying, oh gosh, there's some good candidates coming up here. I'll go ahead and take one. Mm. You know, to be able to see that that's a sign that all the work that you're doing is working and that you're getting closer to what you've called it. Boom. Mic drop. I'm like, sign me up. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Seriously. That's incredible. That sounds awesome. And it's, it's funny how the whole time, by the way, you did a great job explaining what this will all be about. And, um, this whole time you've just talked about how it's going to be a work on yourself, not work on the other part, like the other person, you know, it has nothing to do with them. It only has to do with you. Completely. It all has to do with you. And I have just learned a lot from my female friends. Um, I would have accepted less, so much less a few years ago and having deep friendships with so many conscious queens who embody so much of what I'm looking for, or what I would respect or what, what would be amazing, like really queenly attributes has programmed me to not be able to accept what I would have before. And I've seen this in action and I've seen it work the same way of me demonstrating that for the for the women friends in my life to no longer accept prince behavior and, and now know what king behavior is. So it's really just taking all of that experience and grounding it out into a journey that we can go on together mm-hmm. and uh, that I know, wow. know has this profound impact, but it is absolutely all inner work. And then you go to containers like Sacred Union and there's a lot of good candidates for men who have been doing the work. You know, I, I think that those are a lot of the the features that are really important to women when we cover that part of the program. When you're calling in what you want out of the mate, a lot of it is a willingness to, um, to uh, or somebody who's committed to doing the work on their own, a willingness to receive feedback while doing the work, who has a tender heart, is compassionate, is willing to hold space, willing to listen to them, is spiritual. Well, what does that mean, is spiritual? You know, for some people, that might mean wakes up at 4 a.m. and does three hours of kundalini yoga. For other people, it means something else, more like is kindness, believes in God, and prays to a higher power. So we get clear on these kind of things, but then um, on the back end, we're creating these hotbeds of practice and occasions where um, two people who have been doing the work can see each other in a beautiful new light. 
and sparks may mm. fly. Yeah, amazing. So when are you planning on on dropping this? Around when? Or or how can how can my audience um find out about when you're you're gonna drop this? Well, that's a great question. Most likely October. And the next sacred union is also in the works. We put out a date together. So look for it somewhere around October 23rd or November 6th. And there will also be most likely a sacred union at the Art With Me Miami, which will be the end of November, November 27th or 28th. And that is being confirmed um, this week. So the program itself is probably dropping for the first run in late October or November 1st. That has a good ring to it. And um, and we'll drop it every few months after that. So hopefully we can get on a live and talk about it tonight. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I would love to have you in the program. I mean, people with your wisdom and insight and ability to look at yourself through the, the, through the great mirror and own your stuff and your shadow. I mean, yeah. that's a profound gift you have and um, would love to work through this program with someone like you. Awesome. Uh, any other way that my audience can get in touch with you? Um, yeah, what's the best way? If they have any questions about the podcast, what's the best way of, of reaching out? I would say an Instagram direct message. I get a lot of messages there. and. I have a Calendly link in my profile too. If you want to book an official appointment time to speak with me, um, I do take private clients for coaching and doing healing work, um, energy work to go really change stuff on the subconscious level after resolving soul lessons um, that different patterns and behaviors have caused. And then there's an immediate shift in your reality after that. So I do have space for some clients and i'm also open to just hearing your feedback if you want to talk to me about stuff relating to the program ask me a question about it ask me a question about the dynamic of dating and men and women in these conscious relationships um in this whole space i would love to just have any dialogue you'd like to bring with me as that can help make the program uh, a better service to everyone Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here and having this conversation that I think is so important. You know, you're, you're contributing so much to shifting the way we, we relate to have these relationships be healthier and more, um, like you said, co-creative and, uh, filled with more love than fear. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, such a pleasure always. Uh, I hope you're having a really great trip. And it's always you have great trips. And um, <laughs> I'm also honored. I should have mentioned earlier in the podcast that the first time you did come to my home after meeting me, you serenaded us with beautiful music in a, a, a co-created jam session. And it was such a delight mm. and honor to hear your amazing voice. Thank you. So thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> And it's been a, a superb pleasure to be on this podcast with you. So best wishes and luck and all the blessings of the universe and the love to you tonight.
Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of Commitment Phobe. If this episode left an impact on you, please share with friends, family, loved ones, ex-lovers, the people in your life who you think would benefit from listening to these conversations. If you're curious about the kind of work that I do as an intuitive coach, head on over to my website, www.tanaimelgram.com, where you can learn more about what I do with my one-on-one coaching clients, group coaching programs, and you can set up a discovery call with me to see how I can be of support to you. You could also follow me on Instagram on my handle at Tanai Milgram. I'm always posting content about what I'm up to and new insights, new learnings that I'm getting along my journey. And please head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review if you like what you heard. So together we can start changing the conversation we're having about intimacy and commitments. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you next week.